Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that you have sent forth your Son into this world to be able to dwell amongst men, to free the men in which he dwells amongst, that we might be able to go and dwell with you forever. Lord, we pray that as we open your word, that we would see the glorious truth of the incarnation, that we would see the hope found in Jesus Christ, the hope of a man coming to save sinners, to live the life that we should have lived and dying the death that we should have died, that we might be able to live for him forever. Pray that you'd move amongst us in your Holy Spirit, convict us of our sins, Change our hearts and bend them towards you that we might be able to leave here worshiping you and glorifying and enjoying you forever. We pray this in God's, uh, Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hear now the word Lord from Luke chapter 2. It's God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarus, the governor of Syria, and all went out to be registered, each to his own. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And when they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. 
when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed to fall for the fall and rising of many in Jerusalem, a sign for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts might be revealed. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. We come now as we're going through our series to look at the first opening chapters of Luke to be able to see how people respond to the Incarnation. What is the correct response once hearing the good news, once seeing the good news of Christ coming to earth? And in this short study, we've seen many people's responses from Elizabeth to Zechariah to Mary to and now to Simeon's, uh, the angel's response. And next week we'll look at Anna's response. Now today we see a response of a man who I believe understood the, old, the promises of the Old Testament in a way that many people had missed. Many people did not quite understand. His name is Simeon. And Luke mentions Simeon in partnership with Anna. Both of these people in the same situation, both, uh, you, you might say, they're paired together. As Mary, Elizabeth, Zechariah paired together, now Simeon and Anna appear together. In this period of time where Jesus is brought into the temple. And Paul says in Galatians chapter 4 that Christ was born of a woman under the law, and here Luke is showing us that Jesus was under the law. You heard that mentioned throughout this passage, the law of God, that as he comes into the temple according to the law of God, according to the law of God. And we find out four things about this man who is dwelling in, living in the temple at this time, or at the temple at this time. We find out that he is righteous, that he is devout, that he is waiting, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, Luke had introduced Zechariah and Elizabeth in a similar manner 
They were righteous. And we would assume here that this has the same meaning here in chapter 2 as it did in chapter 1. What it meant with Zechariah and Elizabeth was that they walked blamelessly in all the commandments of the Lord. And so too with Simeon, we would assume this means the same thing here. Out of all the people of Israel, we find these, these snapshots, these portraits of these people in Israel at this time. And here it is, Simeon, a righteous man walking in the commandments of the Lord. Secondly, we find out out of four things we're told about him that he was devout. Meaning that, that he is God-fearing. Again, the portrait of the many pictures that we see of Israel at this time, it, it seems that Israel might look like it's righteous or devout externally, but internally. They're far from God, but yet here, here is the remnant during this time, and Simeon is painted in this time. God-fearing, he, God-following. Thirdly, he is God-waiting. I think that we really miss this point when we read through this story. We, we jump from Malachi to Matthew and we, we see this, this gap. And we know there's a period of time there. But it's a large period of time. And, and what people is happening, there's something that's happening around the time that Jesus was born. There's this anticipation that God was going to come and save Israel like He had promised He would do in the Old Testament. That the Messiah was coming. And Simeon was waiting for the Christ to come. We, we merely just read the fullness of time as, as just things happening. But at this exact moment, God came in to be able to dwell amongst men born of a woman under the law at this particular time. And we can have a look at the historical reasons for this, but here we see many devout uh, believers waiting for this to happen. Praying and fasting. Anticipating Christ coming. There's this holy expectation of God fulfilling His promises. They trust that God is a God of salvation and redemption and over all things. But the fourth thing we also see about Simeon is that God was with him. The Holy Spirit was with this man. Now if you ever doubt the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, you can go to many different passages, but... What is not this time, although we find it in the New Testament Scripture, this is really an Old Testament time. That here, you have a New Testament author writing before Christ had come into the world, God had told Simeon that he would see the Christ, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit worked and moved within him. Before Christ died, before He ascended, uh, was rose again, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit inhabited Old Testament believers. Now obviously there's a consummation, there's, there's a, 
a growing and an expectation that happens with Christ ascending and sending the Holy Spirit. But it does not mean the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is just waiting for that time. He's working in His people. You see that here in this passage, although in the New Testament, it is in that era of that period of that Old Testament time, Christ had not died. And again, back to that waiting where we see that that God is working in amongst this time, that we see God working. Working in Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and in Simeon. In the shepherds and all of this, He is working to be able to bring about this great entrance into the world. But Simeon knew something, and that something that he knew that was given to him by the Spirit, that he would see the Christ before he died. Now, we don't know how old he was when he heard this. We assume that he is older based on his response in verse 29. Now, let me depart in peace. That he's been waiting not just for a couple of days, not for weeks. He's been waiting a long time. And it happens this day. It's about 40 days after Jesus' birth. And Mary and uh, Joseph go to the temple to be able to make their purification offerings underneath the law of Moses. And here Simeon is in the temple. Anna, we're told, and we'll look at next week, but she does not leave. And you assume that Simeon has a similar, similar relationship to the temple. And here Simeon comes and he sees this child, this 40-day-year-old child, just over a month old. And, and Simeon takes this young child into his hands and he holds this baby and he blesses God. What can we learn from this response as Simeon holds little baby Jesus in his arm? The first thing that we can see in this is that salvation that is seen with eyes. Salvation that is seen with eyes. That all of the promises, Paul writes in Corinthians, are yes and amen found in Jesus Christ. And all of the promises found yes and amen in Jesus Christ are contained in this small child that is held in Simeon's hands. This infant in his arms. The fullness of God who is pleased to dwell. The promises of God. In the fullness of time, born of a woman held in His arms. The promise of God which goes back to the Garden of Eden after the fall is now flesh and bones. The Son of God veiled in flesh. The Son of God who was, though He was in the form of God, did not count it equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled Himself in the form of a servant taking on flesh and born in the likeness of men. And here He is in the arms of Simeon in the middle of the temple. Likeness. Not just likeness of a man, but likeness of a child, this weak, infant, helpless. And Simeon is a happy man. 
He has one thing on his bucket list, and this is it. To see the Christ. He is now willing to depart in peace according to that promise given to him by the Holy Spirit. And what you see in in these responses is, is all of them are filled with faith. They're waiting for this anticipation of of God's Word to be happen to occur before their eyes. And they see it. And what was seen by faith by Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, all of the saints of the Old Testament is now reality before His eyes. He sees the salvation, the promise with His own eyes. says that clearly in verse 30. For my eyes have seen your salvation. As he looks down upon this small child, that he has seen this salvation promised to him through the Holy Spirit. Not only we see the salvation that is seen with eyes, but the salvation that is shared with the world. That Simeon looks at this small child held in his arms. He sees this child within his arms. He knows this child is, is the salvation. But in verse 31, it, it says how this child, what this child will do. Not just to the people of God. Israel at this time, but throughout all the world, this small child, about 40 days old, and Simeon says in verse 31, that God has prepared in the presence of all peoples. Here God is moving and working in the people of Israel at this time, but Simeon understands that this is far-reaching, greater than just what is happening here in the temple of Israel that day. To all peoples, and then verse 32, a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Not only the nation of Israel, but Simeon understood that these promises made to his fathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were not just meant for the descendants, the physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they were made for the whole world. To bless not just those who share the DNA with Abraham. And here, Simeon understands this truth very tremendously. And all the Gospels trace this truth that Jesus came to save sinners. Jews and Gentiles alike. But I think you get this greatest picture painted in the Gospel of Luke. Out of all the Gospel accounts, out of all the authors of the New Testament, Luke is the only Gentile. All the rest are Jewish, and and Luke stands apart. And that's fact. That you see 
not just the Gospel of Luke, but also with his second book in the Gospel of Acts, where the Gospel goes forth to all people. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Traces all through Luke's Gospel. The God's good news was to be shared with people from all tribes, nations, and tongues. And this small child would be the person who makes that big and glorious impact on the world. Even if you are not a Christian, you have your doubts about who Jesus is and whether the Bible is true. You're skeptical about this. You must admit this one true fact. That Jesus Christ, the man who was born, lived, and died about 2,000 years ago, is one of the most influential people who has ever walked the earth. Even you deny his claims, you cannot deny that fact. The influence in all the Western world, in all the other countries as well, that this one man has made a huge impact, and here Simeon understands that this impact is going to spread across the world. Jesus would actually say later in his life that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Simeon, years before when Jesus is 40 days old, says that he is a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Jesus would be the Savior of the world, not just a small nation. He would be the one who would stand in the gap for His chosen priesthood, the royal nation. He would be the one who is the light in all of the darkness. There's an old Latin poem written in the 8th century, then translated a couple of times uh, you know, into hymns and things like that. Eventually it was translated by J.M. Neal in 1851, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And in this hymn, one of the stanzas says, O come, O bright and morning star, and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night, and turn our darkness into light. And here Simeon understood that this young child is the light of the world. Paul and Barnabas understood this. Paul calls himself an apostle, not just an apostle, but an apostle to the Gentiles. They speak out in Acts chapter 13. It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. And years before all this, Simeon, in the temple, worshiping God day and night, a Jew by birth, is still able to understand the promise of the Old Testament fulfilled in Christ's coming, was to spread the good news to all peoples, nations, and tongues. That salvation is to be seen with our eyes, to be shared to the world. And thirdly, that salvation is for the splendor of God's people. 
Although Simeon understands that this small child will have an impact on the world, he still understands the story of the Old Testament. Simeon still understands that it is the means in which God has brought this salvation for the whole world is through this nation. That He did choose Israel as a nation to bring this light into the world to be able to share with Gentiles. The story of the nation of Israel is that they, throughout their life, were never really a superpower. They were often small, oppressed, looked down upon, this does not stop God's promises. God used them to bring this glorious good news of salvation to all peoples in the four corners of the globe. And again, this shows God's strength. It shows God's character. That God takes the weak nation, a weak person, Abraham, who is a nobody, and calls him and says, Your name is. I'm going to make your name great. The impact of this calling of Abraham from the land of Ur. The story of the Bible of, of, of God taking His enemies and making them His people. And bringing them into His family. And all of these promises come through this person, this child, this 40-year-old Jesus. The baby who is in Simeon's arms. And Simeon says right at the end, the light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory to your people Israel. This is for God's glory that all of the promises, again, you could trace them and it would take years even to be able to grasp and comprehend them all. That he called Abraham to be a light. He called Abraham and says, I am going to bless you. I am going to make your name great so that the whole world and nations would be blessed. That this everlasting covenant that is made with Abraham that flows through Isaac comes through that lamb which is provided instead of Isaac. See how God explains why he chose Israel. We find out why he chose Israel in chapter 7 of Deuteronomy. For you are a people holy to your Lord, the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, God chose Israel. Why did God choose Israel? It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set His love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all the people. It wasn't they were a big, great, glorious nation and God said, I'm going to partner with you to make my name great. Actually, He did the exact reverse. He says, you were not the biggest nation. Actually, you were one of the smallest nations. The reason God chose Israel, He says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that He swore to your fathers 
that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the land hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. God chose the weak to be able to make their name great so that His name and would be great. The glory would be given to God, that God could show His glory, His might, and His splendor to all the world. Not using the strong, but using the weak. And here is what we see too with Jesus, the Gospel. He comes not to conquer sin, Satan, and all the, His enemies, just with swords and kingdom. He comes in His weakness and humility, humility and humiliation. He dies on a cross. That's what we see fourthly. To be seen, to be shared for the splendor of God's people. And finally, salvation that is to be secured by the pierced side. The suffering servant. Simeon has one more thing to say. He doesn't do it in his blessing to God. He does it directly to Mary. He blesses both Mary and Joseph, but we have recorded here, starting in verse 34, this blessing which he blesses Mary with. Now again, Mary did know. These are not merely just passing comments. We find out that Mary actually treasured them up in her heart. We find that in verse 19. We have the specific words which Simeon spoke to Mary. Verse 34 and verse 35. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for the sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. We celebrate the Incarnation. We celebrate Christ coming down. We sing songs like Joy to the World. However, we cannot but separate Christ coming down into the world to go down into the tomb to die for us. We cannot celebrate the birth of Jesus without understanding the death of Jesus. He came not to the earth just to be born as a baby, born under the law, but also to redeem those underneath the law by dying on the cross for us. To take the punishment of the law for His people. Christ came to die. Born and laid in a manger so that He would die on a cross and be laid in a tomb. And many people misunderstood and, and did not quite understand the promises of the Old Testament that Christ would come and Christ would be weak. Christ would be the suffering servant. But I think Simeon understood this. Simeon clearly speaks of this suffering servant. A sign that is opposed. But, he says, through all of this, many hearts may be revealed. We see Simeon, as he holds this 40-day baby in his arms, he's able to see the life of Jesus, that there will be a rise and a fall of Israel. Hearts will be revealed. 
hearts of the sinner and hearts of the saint. Hearts of the ones who are tax collectors and sinners who come and eat with Jesus and hear the message of the gospel and, and fall on their knees and worship and cry out for salvation through Jesus and others who, with their puffed up chests, walk away proud and arrogantly thinking that they need not a Savior. And here Simeon speaks of the suffering servant. That salvation comes through this child. This weak and helpless child. Let us have this same response. Looking back to the Old, giving glory to God, how He worked in the Old Testament through Israel, and how the same message continues that Christ came to die for sinners such as you and I. Under the law, that we might be His redeemed people. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give You thanks and praise that we find in the Scriptures the hope of the Gospel. We see that Christ came born of a woman, fully God and fully man, to be able to die for us, to be the mediator between God and men. Jesus Christ, we pray that we would not just stop at the baby in Simeon's arms. Lord, we'd continue to see the story unfold of Christ coming, exposing, revealing hearts, saving sinners, that He might be able to die on the cross for our sins, to rise again, conquering death and Satan and sin, Ascending up into heaven and sitting victoriously at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We pray that we'd sing all glory and honor to you for what you have done and accomplished through Christ and his life, his death, resurrection, and now his ascension. Pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.